Embracing challenges is everything. Look for that pain cave mindset to push out of your comfort zone and expect that pain. Look for incremental growth to try and get yourself to be able to do this and not simply try to learn from your failures, but expect there to be failures as stepping stones along the way. Welcome everyone to the Close More Sales Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to cover something I'm so passionate about, which is the idea of doing challenging things outside of your traditional sales activities to harden your mind and prepare yourself to push further and close more sales when revenue is on the line. We're gonna cover a bunch of different aspects from how to pick what to do, like how to have the mindset about it, how to expect failure as you go through it in a way that makes it a stepping stone to be able to crush those challenges. And then finally, to include it in your time, to break down your time in a way that makes it manageable so you don't burn out on it. This is not like an Atkins diet that you're not able to stick through. It's something consistent. It's a lifestyle change that will allow you crush it and close more sales. If you can do this one thing and do it consistently, the discipline, the hardening of the mind that happens on this one part of your life, you can directly translate to making more money and providing more for your family. Our purpose, the purpose of this show, is to empower sales professionals and entrepreneurs to push themselves to grow, achieve unimaginable success without burning out, and ultimately transform their lives. I'm Ian Ross, and I am obsessed with all things sales, and I work with teams across the country to make more money by asking better questions. And the most proven path to achieving financial freedom, what we're all in pursuit of, is maximizing your earning potential, and a sales role is the lowest barrier with the highest possible ceiling for entry onto that path. Anyone can become a killer salesperson with the right techniques, mindset, and consistency. Everything we cover on this podcast, it is geared toward one thing, helping you close more sales so that you can live the life that you want. Now, this is a newer podcast. We are still in the growth stage. If you get any value from this episode today, Follow and subscribe, do all that jazz. Let us know either in the comments on YouTube or in a review where you listen to podcasts. Tell us what it is you got out of the show. Because if you have conversations where how well you speak determines how much money you can make, you're in a sales role. And if you would like to get better at what you do, text CLOSE, C-L-O-S-E, to 33777. We will see if we can help you out along the process. I am very excited to dive into today's topic because it's something I've thought a lot about and I'm a big believer in. And I want to talk with you, what I want to talk with you about is a rather misunderstood concept and it is misunderstood for a variety of reasons, but the most substantial one is, I think, due to the inability of most people talking about this at length to break the topic down, to make it applicable to a regular human being. And the topic is on doing hard things. 
what I will cover is three main points for you here. Point number one, why you should start doing hard things as a salesperson or entrepreneur or business owner, why you should start doing them. Two, what those hard things should actually be and how to identify what will work for you. And three, prepare yourself for a failure-proof plan to incrementally introduce this into your own life and exactly how to consistently add this into your schedule no matter how busy you already are. Uh, there's a bunch of examples I could, I could dive right into, but I wanna be strategic about how I go into this. So uh, a, a repeat message that I will come back to is something that I do, which is I run a lot. I was kind of a reluctant runner, and I am now, I've signed up for my first ultra marathon, which is any distance longer than a marathon. I'm going to be running in, in June. Right now I'm recording this in February. Uh, I'll be running uh, a 53 kilometers, about 33 miles at altitude, at 7,500 feet altitude, which will be a little bit harder on my lungs as well. Uh, this sounds crazy to most of the people I bring this up to. Maybe it sounds crazy to you. The reason I am doing this is not because I am an athlete. It's not because I am a runner and I can't wait to get sponsored by Nike. It has nothing to do with that. I like to embrace difficult tasks to use it as a proxy to enhance my sales and entrepreneurial skills. And there is a way you can do the same. So the, the example I want to give for you to illustrate this point and have it make sense is talk in particular about one ultra runner athlete. Uh, her name is Courtney DeWalter, and she has a slightly unique approach compared to most ultra marathoners. What Courtney does, and she is one of the best in the world at this, uh, not just for female athletes, but of any athletes total is running those really, really long distances, like 200 miles plus. One of the things that stood out to me that is profound, that once you start adding distances to running beyond 200 miles in particular, the natural differences between a biological man and a biological woman in the athletic pursuits start to erode away. And the gender differences don't, don't make that much of a of a shift that don't have as profound an impact on performance. The reason for this is because the muscular skeletal stuff, all the advantages that someone might have based on their biology are not as significant when you're running so long that most people need to sleep. They have to figure out how to eat and how to hydrate. It becomes far more mental than physical. Obviously there's a physical component. It is a physical task and a physical challenge, but it is fueled by your mental resiliency in a way that doesn't make as much of a difference as to being a man or a woman in terms of your physiology. Courtney DeWalter, when she ran, I think, I believe it was the Moab 240, I believe she beat the next closest man by like something like six, seven hours, something like that, which is just, I mean, it's un incredible, a 240 mile race through Utah. So why do I bring up Courtney DeWalter on this episode about closing more sales? She had an approach that hit me in the chest 
when I learned about it because it relates to how I think about overcoming the challenges that I deal with as a salesperson and entrepreneur myself. And so when you're running these hundred plus mile races, pain is inevitable. You are going to hurt, right? You're gonna feel the pain of this. It's not the same, there's different levels of pain. There's not, I, there's, I broke my leg, there's, I've been shot in the chest, there's a emergency pain. And then there's extreme discomfort in the process of what you're going through that your brain interprets as pain. When you're in that sort of, I'm not desperately ill or sick or injured pain, but I hurt, you have a lot of ways you can approach that pain because you have control over how you contextualize it. So because when you run that far, most ultramarathoners are trying to delay that pain. They're working on their fitness, they're working on their mindset, they're working on their nutrition in a way to push the pain off till as late in the race as possible so that they don't have to be in it. As, as they, if they can avoid that pain for as long as possible, that helps give them their push. Maybe they get a commanding lead and then as they slow down with the pain, they're okay, right? Like that's how most ultramarathoners think about much of this. Courtney had a different approach because when she started, she was good, but she wasn't great right away. And her concept is the pain cave. For her, she flipped the switch, and this is something all of you can do as salespeople right now with the own challenges, the discomforts, the lack of transparency your company told you when hiring, the problems with the leads, the, the lies you were told from your prospects. You can make this switch yourself. This is an intentional choice that this athlete made that you absolutely can make as well about your own life and your own professional process. She decided to go, instead of saying, I wanna avoid the pain, she started going, I can't wait for the pain because I'm in my pain cave now. Good, I'm in my pain cave. We know, so a lot of people know that famous Jocko Willink clip of him talking about good. It's that same idea. Now I am in my pain cave, good. This is where the race is won. She started seeking that discomfort as a growth opportunity. So instead of dreading it and wanting to delay the pain cave, she wanted to get there faster because that's where her competitive edge would be. And she would talk about literally visualizing digging deeper. In the I'm in the pain cave now. Oh, I get to dig tunnels and make it bigger so that the next time I have even more space. It became an embracing of the challenge rather than a fear of what most people think of as the normal reaction to pain, which is, I wanna avoid it. Instead, she goes, no, I can't wait to get into my pain cave. That's where the winning is done. That's where I'm racing and that's where, that's where I get to have my competitive edge. That same approach can come up for you. You can do this. You can figure out a way to think about your challenging sales situations. So I was coaching someone the other day who was talking about a difficulty in extracting the motivation from his prospect. This prospect was pretty tight-lipped with him, didn't want to reveal his situation. He was kind of a driver personality, for those of you who are familiar with DISC, and wanted to be in command, and the way we train and also the personality of the salesperson I was coaching, 
was just he needed to get him to open up a little bit more about why even do this in the first place. And his prospect did not want to reveal that information. And when I was coaching this salesperson about it, he was like, yeah, it was really tough. I hated dealing with this. And I had to stop him. And I told this same story about Courtney DeWalter and the pain cave. The reason I told it is because that objection, that difficult prospect, that roadblock from the easy sale is our pain cave. In that, this is where I get to prove myself as a salesperson. Instead of going, oh, I hope I don't hear, I want to think about it. Oh, I hope they don't say money is an issue. Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope. Let's just delay the, un the, the lack of, of challenges would be better. I, I want to delay the discomfort. The mindset shift of it's either going to be easy and eh, fine, whatever. I'll make my commission check. I'll make plenty of money doing that. But the growth happens when there is that resistance, when there is a challenge, when you're facing a problem. So when you're facing that problem, when someone doesn't want to open up with you, whatever it is, it could be as simple as some part in your process where a per certain prospect doesn't want to play ball. It could be way deeper than that. Your company feels like it's falling apart at the seams. Whatever it is, do the work yourself to figure out what is your pain cave right now and apply the mindset of that approach to your toughest sales challenges. This is where I get to differentiate myself. This is where I get to prove that I deserve to make like Los Angeles, Beverly Hills doctor money for having conversations all day. I can prove that there. I can establish myself as better than the other salespeople, as better than I was yesterday. Make this switch and unbelievable growth and potentials on the other side for you. I talked a little bit about wanting to make that shift, but that sounds much easier said than done, as I'm sure you're imagining. Great, I would love to be able to do that, but how do I actually do that? Well, the simple truth in doing hard things, you need to get experience doing hard things first to then be able to apply that to your sales process. Most individuals are not able to just snap their fingers and do something that profound that quickly. And so when I said that, the difference between what I'm trying to cover on this episode and how other people on podcasts and even whole books talk about this is they tend to kind of stop right there. That's where they're done. They gave you that instruction. Just go do it. Just embrace it. How hard could it be? Well, the average person goes, okay, that sounds great in concept, but what? How am I supposed to do that? What does that look like for me? I'm just a person. I'm just a guy. I'm just a sales guy. I'm just a small business owner. I'm just, what? How do I actually do that? Here's the prescription on how to make sure you can do that effectively, incrementally, and more or less with ease. I will break it down right now. The simplest way to get comfortable doing hard things is to start doing some type of physical challenge. Something physical outside of when money is on the line, when revenue is, 
is at stake when whether or not your family gets to go to Disney World for two weeks or you struggle to make your car payment. That difference there, that can happen in an actual sales conversation. So because there's going to be more pressure there, the way to get comfortable with embracing that pain cave mentality of good, I'm glad I'm here, is to do something physical that you kind of like to do. And this is key here. So my physical challenge that I like to do that is hard is running. And I started running relatively recently, at least running seriously. And I started it for, I mean, kind of for the physical benefits, but being hyper aware of the mental benefits involved as well. So when my wife got pregnant, I decided I wanted to be a fit and strong dad who could run and, 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 and keep up with, with my kid and my wife and any other, any other kids we might have. Like I knew that's the type of dad I wanted to be, and therefore I started taking action to be in pursuit of that. I found out pretty quickly that I had more energy, more clarity, and operated with more efficiency when I ran in the morning before coming into work. I don't prescribe running to everyone. I don't think that's the right move. Everyone's bodies are a little bit different, so I'm not gonna give you that prescription. But the reason running works for me and why I wanna talk about how to find this for you is that doing a physical challenge is just, it's the ultimate hack to unlocking that expectation within your brain to be able to apply it to your business challenges as well. So simply put, we often think about the body and the mind as having a, a disconnected approach, right? Like mind-body connection, sure, whatever. Yeah, but there's my body, but then there's my mind. This is an illusion. It's an illusion. <laughs> your mind is in your body. It, it's so obvious to the people who take care of themselves physically, but for most of us, most average people, I'm not saying the listener here now is average, but to not be aware of what the challenges are for an average person is to, to assume you're automatically better than them is playing with fire uh, around a bunch of gasoline tanks because all it takes is a little bit of little bit of difficulty in your life, some circumstances outside of your control that derail you until you fall back into old habits. So being aware of that and implementing things appropriately, assuming you have the same types of insecurities and irrationalities as someone who's kind of an average person, and then ramping up quicker if you are above average is the best way to actually see results rather than going, no, I'm amazing. I'm just going to start off like I'm incredible. That is the key to disappointment. <laughs> you're, you're going directly towards the wrong tunnel if that's your approach from the get-go. So why do I run? I run because my, it works for my body. Running long distances like this ultra marathon, it's endurance. And it, I, it, to me, it is voluntary suffering to prepare myself for involuntary suffering. I have increased stamina, mental clarity. I get to iterate on aspects of discipline 
every single day. I get to, I wake up, my alarm every day is 4.55 a.m. It is a complete hack. It's really 5 a.m., but I do 4.55, so that way when I see my alarm, I see it start with a four. This little trick I get to do, go, huh, I'm getting up with a four, and I get up right away and feel like an even bigger win than I had. That's when my alarm goes off. And, and if I am voluntarily running eight, 10 miles in the morning before work starts, it, that's not necessarily something that I always want to do. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to do early. I can be hurting. I can be, I be nursing a sore calf. There's all these challenges that can be associated with it. But because I had that win early, because I pushed the limit and got to be the type of person who got up early, did the physical challenge, and was back in time to take care of his family and then get to work on time, get to work early even. If I can do all of that, I know I have proof on a daily basis that I am the type of person who can overcome challenges and can apply that approach to what I'm dealing with in business. So to find what physical challenge is relevant to you is everything. So it doesn't have to be running, but it probably should be physical. It could be riding a bike. It can be hot yoga. It can be just lifting weights. It can be the Stairmaster. It can be playing tennis, playing basketball, kicking a soccer ball around, whatever it is. It should probably be something physical. <clears throat> the reason it should be something physical, too, is not just the natural fact that the brain is in your body. And so if you improve your body, you improve your brain, is also because. If it's something you like to do, most people like to do something. They like to move their body. You're in, you, know, you feel the endorphins. If it's something you like to do and it's physical, you can find ways to make that hard that you also like to do that works for you. What am I talking about there? I just saw uh, an episode of, I believe it was the Huberman Lab podcast with David Goggins on it. I actually enjoy David Goggins immensely. I'm about to run an ultra marathon. Probably not surprising to you. And I've listened to both his books, probably seen every podcast appearance he's ever done. I think he's fantastic. In that episode, David Goggins talks about how he hates running. And that's why he does it so much. It has to be something he hates doing. And Andrew Huberman in this podcast talked about the part of the brain that gets strong, gets bigger, and, and, and you, know, you build up more resiliency if you are doing a thing that you dislike doing. The problem with that as a general prescription, and it's not that I, I can disagree with the science of it, it's the problem with it as a general prescription is that most people, even most high performers, don't want to do something they hate doing every day forever. They might do it for a short period of time. They will do it the way people diet, which is really intensely, really restrictive for a short period of time. And then what happens with every diet ever, you fall off the rails and then everything falls apart and you go back to your normal routine, your normal mistakes, your normal mess ups, and your physique suffers as well. So I want to avoid that. And the best way that I can think of to avoid that is to have it be something physical that you like doing. If you like doing it, you can, I mean, with running, I like running, 
But the way I execute on that activity involves things I don't like doing. So I hate leg day at the gym, but to avoid getting injured and run more, I do leg day. <laughs> I hate doing it, and that's in pursuit of that. I don't like running uphill for long periods of time. I do it anyway, but because I like the motion of running and I like the endorphins and how it makes me feel, it doesn't feel like, all right, I don't, I, I hate the everything I'm doing, and therefore it's miserable. If it's physical, you can make it harder. I, I ruck. I put it right now, it's mostly a 12 pound vest. I'm probably going to be increasing it soon. I put a 12 pound vest on when I go for a jog sometimes. That makes it harder too. My heart rate spiked up. I feel worse. There's ways, if it's physical, for cheaply, affordably, and simply to make it harder to get that sensation of doing something hard, of entering that pain cave sooner in a way that doesn't mean you are going to burn yourself out. Talk about burnout as a thing we want to avoid all the time on this podcast. You will burn yourself out on that challenge and then give up entirely and not keep doing it. We want a lifestyle change, a whole identity change that happens incrementally, not I now do a thing I hate doing every single day. So that is the key here. It's why I want to pick something physical. Think about what physical challenge excites you. Is it playing basketball with friends? Is it... Is it Pilates? Is it, what, is it spin class? Whatever it is, find a version of, is it just, you know, uh, playing, throw, do you like throwing a Frisbee? Like there's things you can do that are physical where the hardship can be manufactured into the thing you like to do and it's unrelated to your revenue. That is a plus because you get the experience. You build up the calluses to be able to be effective when revenue is on the line. So I want to talk also about starting small and building up to being able to do it consistently. Because if you are focused on going, wow, I'm, Ian's running an ultra marathon. He's, he's running uh, 53 kilometers of altitude in a couple months. Like, what's his training plan looks like? I should do that same training plan. I'm increasing mileage leading up to that. If I'm, I, I wouldn't be running that mileage that I'll be doing at the toughest time to prepare for it today. I'm going to build up to that because my body's not prepared for that mileage. Same way, if you're trying to do whatever it is you want to do and you start and look at, man, that's, all right, that's how much Michael Jordan practiced basketball. I got to do the same thing. You're setting yourself up for a disaster. So the key is setting achievable incremental goals because there's massive pitfalls that you want to avoid when you do drastic identity shifts. The power of small habit changes is unbelievable, and it compounds over time. Think about this as a sales application. Small daily improvements compound over time. If, let's say, how many more deals, let's just say if, you're, if you're, your job was, because it was simply outbound reach, and you can say, okay, if I reach out to more people, I will close more deals. You know that instinctively. But to be able to make the type of money you need to make, you need to be making 100 more calls a day. If you need to be doing that, and you suddenly snap your fingers and make 100 more calls a day, you might do that for a week. You might do it for two weeks. I'd be amazed if you did it for a month, but you might. 
most people are not able to just snap their fingers and have that drastic identity shift. Most people are not able to snap their fingers and have that drastic identity shift. Instead, what they need to do is make one more call than they made the previous day that next day. And the day after that, make two more calls, so it's three more. And then another one more, and that's four more. And do that, and by three months from starting, you actually are making 100 more calls a day, and you've done it easily without having to do the type of changes it takes to shift your identity and change your day entirely with a snap of a finger. And those improvements compound so quickly. Everyone's so focused on massive action. I have to be honest with you, you'll see this all the time among gurus online, take massive action. It drives me off the walls. The reason it drives me off the walls, I know most people need to hear massive action. <laughs> That's probably the reason. That message probably works for people who aren't taking any action at all because even a little bit of action will feel massive to them. The reality is still those people are likely to burn out. If you can take consistent action, it's one of the things I love about Steve Trang and his messaging on real estate disruptors is you will take consistent action, you will see results. We avoid that massive action mentality. You might need to hear it, I'm sorry if that's the case, but you're also running the risk of taking massive action and burning out. If you just take consistent action, you will win over the people who take massive action and can't sustain it. In consistently increase incrementally over time, it will compound and you will see unbelievable shifts in your life. So start with manageable sales goals and build from there incrementally. So for you, whatever it is you're selling, whatever your activity focus is, on a daily and weekly basis, what new sales goal that is within your control, it's not just closing 10 more deals. I mean, it could be closing five more sales a week, a month, whatever. It could be. I, I don't know your exact setup. But if you can reduce that to something that you are in more control of, which is like your actual activity, just start increasing incrementally and build momentum. Think about what that is for you. Only you can really know that. Even your manager doesn't know that. So think about it and do it effectively. If you're an entrepreneur and you're running the whole business, you probably have 50 different things you're considering doing at any given time. Knowing most of the entrepreneurs I know, my own natural inclination to think about things, pick one or two and then break it down into daily activities that you can incrementally do and compound upon. It is the secret that you already know that you're not doing. To wrap up here, I wanna talk about expecting and embracing the dreaded F word in business, failure. Embracing failure is an integral part of the growth process. It is everything. So let me take it out of the sales context again to also illustrate the point. I am running this ultra marathon. Again, it's 33 miles. It's at altitude. That's what scares me more than anything else. When I tell people it's at altitude and that's what scares me, they're like, oh yeah, that's what's hard about it. And it's not the fact that it's 33 miles. To me, I'm more scared about 
the altitude right now. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm more scared about. I am prepared mentally for the possibility of not being able to finish. This is something I've prepared myself for. I have visualized this possibility as something that might happen. If I do get a DNF, did not finish, to me, it is not a failure because I have a different expectation around the timeline of what success looks like. To me, it's a temporary setback because I know, I know I've been through this enough times in my life with different challenges and different things that threw me off in the past. I, I, I believe in this so firmly. If I fail at this race and I'm unable to finish, injury, tired, just weakness, whatever it is, just can't finish in time, when anything happens, I, of course, I'm a human being who set this goal. I'll be bummed for a couple days. I'll certainly be, be bummed out right then, but it will be very short-lived. Why will it be short-lived? Because I know from experience and implementing this over and over and over again at different times in my life that that roadblock is nothing but an extension of the joy I will get to feel when I complete the next one. I will sign up for another 50K, 53K. Maybe I'll go straight to a 50 miler. I'll sign up for something else that's farther out that gives me more time to train. All I am doing is meaning that when I complete that next ultra marathon, and maybe I won't do it that one, and I have to do it again, but when I eventually complete it, because I'm not giving up, that means the feeling of crossing that finish line will be even sweeter because by getting that failure, that setback, that struggle, it sweetens the success. If this was super easy, it wouldn't be worthwhile. That's the whole point of doing hard things, picking something that the completion of is worthwhile. And so if I pick a thing, like running a crazy long distance, maybe someone picks biking a long way, trying to do something with some sports or some game, something physical is the key, something physical. If I pick this thing, climbing Mount Everest, whatever, and I fail, I have a long enough of a perspective that I know that just means when I eventually do it, it will feel even better. I do not let that get me down and beat myself up for a long period of time. I'm a, I'm a human being. It's natural that I'll be a little bummed out, but it would be very short-lived because I know it will be better when I win later. You need to figure out how to apply this to your own challenges as a salesperson or an entrepreneur or whatever you're doing in business. That same approach when I'm trying something, if I'm trying something with business, or if you're now going to start, if you heed my advice and start doing something physical, something physical that's hard, that has a challenge to it, but you still like to do, that's not something you hate, that, that you can push yourself within what you enjoy. If you start doing that, if you set a hard enough goal that failure is a risk, prepare for failure as simply something. It's, it's just seasoning on the steak to make it taste even better when you eventually get to eat it. That's all it is. View every no not as a setback. It's just a step towards a yes. This mindset 
shift that failures are not setbacks. They are simply stepping stones. They're stepping stones over a longer time horizon is everything. When you expect failure, the weight and the negativity in that reality, it's lessened because you were right. You weren't wrong. It's just how most people view something failing. Oh, that's something wrong. It didn't work out. But if you can build that failure for a goal in your expectations, everything unlocks for there. If, if when the elevation change is going on in my race, if I get that DNF, did not finish, if that's the case, which again is objectively failing at that race, the difference for me is that I'll surely be disappointed in that result. I'm prepared for the possibility and go in with the expectation of this potentially happening because that is reality. That next week, I'd be signing up for the next ultra marathon instead of being overly bummed out. Boo hoo, poor me. I would get excited because that means when I complete the next one, that'll be an even sweeter accomplishment. If I fail, all I did was delay that dopamine hit of success in a way that will make it even sweeter when I do accomplish it. If it was too easy, it wouldn't feel like enough of a win. I build that mindset into my challenges, and you absolutely should too. Expect failure. If you're prone to anxiety and, and catastrophic thinking, the wrong mindset when they hear expect failure can be, oh, now I have to expect the negative aspects of failure. The whole point of it is to expect the objective, this didn't work aspect of failure, but not the negative value judgment put on that failure. It's to eliminate the negativity of it. So this is just, it's, this is everything. I cannot emphasize this enough. To finish up, I want to talk about lastly here, finally, how to incorporate these lessons into daily life. Balancing training with work and your personal life commitments and having strategies for prioritizing important tasks and effective time management. So let's talk about time a little bit. You can make time for what matters. And you can, we can translate this to daily sales activities. I challenge you, the listener now, to reevaluate and prioritize your weekly schedules. These lessons, they are all about fitting this into stuff you do on a daily and weekly basis. So I have a young kid, and I have a wonderful wife who wants, wants my time and attention. I have friends, I have family, I've got other hobbies, and I've got a job that I am obsessed with, with stuff that I work at constantly. There's fires to put out, there's people to hire, there's challenges, challenges to overcome. There's content to record. This happens all the time. I still find time, not because I'm some amazing person, but because I know it matters. So what, do I need to wake up earlier? Do I need to cut out some extra Netflix time? What do I need to do to prioritize this? And then the key here, you're not going to like it. It's to just do it, but do it small. Do it incrementally. There's 168 hours in a week. Let's say. For an extreme example's sake, I don't have weekends, and I work eight hours a day, and I sleep, I sleep eight hours a night, and I spend an hour commuting. So then I'm left with 35 hours in a week. I'd have seven hours of total free time per day. 
assuming I can't do a single thing on the weekend. Can I not make 15 minutes out of seven hours of priority? Again, with this math, 15 minutes a day out of those extra seven hours is less than 4%. Do I think prioritizing this will get me bigger results than worth 4% of that time? And if you were to actually do the numbers and include your weekends, how much of an effort is starting at 15 minutes every single day out of time for you? Because I know you'll need to, you know, you'll need to shower afterwards, maybe a stretch for five minutes beforehand. I'm aware of the reality of time. But if you want to give me those excuses, then what excuses are you telling yourself about how much time you have on any given week to prioritize the things you want and need to do? In conclusion, to summarize the key points of this episode today, embracing challenges is everything. Look for that pain cave mindset to push out of your comfort zone and expect that pain. Look for incremental growth to try and get yourself to be able to do this and not simply try to learn from your failures, but expect there to be failures as stepping stones along the way. Change that negative association that most people have with the word failure and simply view it as a stepping stone. The final motivational push I have for you here, step out of your comfort zone. Do something hard that is physical in some way, shape, or form that you like to do and make a tiny bit of time for it on a daily and weekly basis. I promise you, if you become the type of person who gets out of bed a little bit earlier to spend that 15 minutes doing push-ups or riding a bike or whatever you need to do, you will start to see results as being the person who can do that there. We'll start to see those results in your business. We'll start to see it in the deals you close if you have this right mindset. Expect your failure. Don't fear it. Expect it as a stepping stone. Your success is on the other side of doing hard things unrelated to sales. If you're serious about the sales and money-making side of transforming your life and business, text CLOSE to 33777. I'd love to talk you through this. This is one of my, I got a little passionate about this because I love talking about this. I'm Ian Ross. This has been the Close More Sales Podcast.